0: Even though we've been scattered, we've been together. There's still unity. God has blessed us to be together. So how many are ready for the word of God? You ready for the word? Amen. All right, praise God. Now, now here's the thing. Having preached it three times, what happens is they keep getting longer and longer. That's what Actually the second one was shorter than the first one, but we'll we'll see what happens. I want to talk th- this morning about the power of pushing. The power of pushing. And where I want to go is the woman with the issue of blood. Now, you all know I have, how many times in 38 years have I preached on the woman? And if, I had, if that wasn't the sermon, we brought her into the sermon somehow or another. We're all familiar with this story. But <clears throat> I really believe that the Lord is giving um, deeper revelation. You know, the Word of God is like an onion, You just keep peeling it back, and God just keeps showing you more and more. You may have read a scripture a hundred times, and you read it for the 101st, and you go, oh, wait a minute. There's something in there for me. So we're in a different situation. We're in, you know, and uh, so this quarantine situation, the scriptures are starting to come alive in a different way for me. I'm beginning to find out that there's a whole lot of people that have been quarantined in scripture. This is not something new. In fact, in fact, the early church was quarantined quite a bit. In the first first 300 years, they were persecuted. There were plagues. I've been reading a lot about the history of the first 300 years lately. And there were plagues several times that swept through the Roman Empire. And people, you know, the church, this is not the first time the church has been through a plague. Middle Ages, right? We, we can go on and on with that. So we've been through this. But you know what? The church always comes out stronger than than when they went in, how many know we're returning strong? That's our theme. Praise God, we're not limping back in here. We are returning strong. It's 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 like I often tell that story about the. Um, see, you know, I got more time in this service, so I'm going to chase some rabbits. So yeah. But you remember the story I tell about, you remember back in the days with the forts and the Indians and the guys riding his horse and the Indians are chasing him and he, and he comes into the fort and they close the gates. He's got an arrow in his hat and he's all dusty and he's got another arrow in his chest and he falls off the horse and he says, I made it. That's the way some of you look on Sunday morning. I made it. Well, it's been several weeks And uh, the Indians have been trying to take over the fort, amen. But uh, we've been out there. We've been outside of the fort, and we've been attacked and all kinds of things. A lot of stuff's been going on, but God's been good. Nobody in this church got the virus. Thank God for that. We've had all, I think in this whole time, we've had like two people in the hospital. We have two people in the hospital every other day. This is just, I just can't be, but listen, God's kept his hand on us. So why the woman? Why this woman? Because this woman was quarantined for 12 years. Let's read the story. Let's read the story from Mark chapter 5. I should have it memorized by now. After Jesus returned from across the lake, you know, he had a little fishing expedition. A huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Just then a man saw that it was Jesus. So he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, a Jewish official who was in charge of the synagogue. He was in charge. More about that in a minute. He pleaded with Jesus, saying over and over, please come with me. My little daughter is at the point of death, and she's only 12 years old. Come and lay your hand, watch it. Come and lay your hands on her and heal her, and she will live. Boy, that's faith. That's faith. He didn't, he didn't say maybe, he said she will. Immediately Jesus went with him, and the huge crowd followed. Jesus is following him, the crowd's following him, everyone's going. And they're, they're, they're pressing in on Jesus from all sides. Now, in the crowd that day was a woman. hmm Happy Mother's Day. Here we go. Who had suffered horribly from continual bleeding for 12 years. She had endured a great deal under the care of various doctors. I'll put that in air quotes. Yet in spite of spending all she had on their treatments, she was not getting better but worse. Uh When she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd. She's pushing too. She pushed through the crowd and came up from behind him. Watch this. And touched his prayer shawl. King James says what? The hem of the garment. For she kept saying to herself, if only I could touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. Glory to God. As soon as her hand touched him, I said as soon as her hand touched him, her bleeding immediately stopped She knew it, for she could feel her body instantly being healed of her disease. Wow. Wow. Can we pray over that? Father, right now in Jesus' name, we're reaching out. We're touching the hem of the garment, and we're believing for a miracle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the church says, amen. So there's four things real quick I want to share with you. And number 1, let's talk about Jairus. I know it's Mother's Day. I want to talk I want to talk about this woman. But I need the only way to understand her is to compare her to Jairus. You ready? Number 1. Here's the thing about Jairus. He was connected, respected, and influential. Come on now. He was a leader of the synagogue. Now, that doesn't just mean he was a church pastor. (laughs) He was the leader of the synagogue. The synagogue was the center of society. Remember, everyone who lived there was a Jew. They all went to the same synagogue. This guy had money. This guy had power. This guy had influence. The Roman Empire would collect their taxes through the synagogue. There was this connection, and they were very much, this guy was kind of like the mayor of the city. He was in charge. He dressed well. He smelled better than the rest of them. He had money, power, and influence. And watch this. He also had the power of excommunication. This woman had been excommunicated. She could not go to church. Back then, if you had a physical issue in your body, that meant there was sin in your body. You were imperfect. <coughs> Pray my voice will get through this third sermon. She was imperfect, she was actually a sinner. And he had the power. He might have been the one that signed the order to kick her out of church. And if you were kicked out of church, you were kicked out of society. This guy had power, authority, respect. He said he pushed through the crowd, but I believe the crowd just parted for him. <laughs> It'd be like if President Trump just walked through here. He'd just, he'd just interrupt everything. And I'd not have you know, decide if I have to keep preaching or not. Right? You think I should keep preaching if he comes in? Just you think he needs to hear this sermon? Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. he probably does. He probably does. <laughs> well, if you do, he does. Amen. <laughs> so, 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 this woman or or Jairus, he comes to the crowd. I believe the crowd parts for him, and the Bible says he falls down on his knees which means he's worshiping he actually has authority over jesus but he submits to jesus this is called worship now i've been saying this and I, i want you to get this there's several things in this sermon i want you to get but you remember a few months a couple months ago it seems like eternity now But we talked about redefining discipleship, and that discipleship wasn't just about learning something in a classroom, but discipleship was about love, that a true disciple, if you're really discipled, you loved your brother, your sister, and you love your community. That's discipleship. Well, now, let's redefine worship, because for some people, worship means I'm listening to some songs, but that may or may not be worship. You may be listening to your favorite songs to minister to your, to your soul. You may just be listening to them because you like the beat. It may not be worship. <coughs> Did you hear what I said? It, just because you're listening to a spiritual song doesn't necessarily mean it's worship. Worship is, the Greek word for worship is proskuno, and, and that's where we get the word to prostrate ourselves, to, to stretch out, to lay out before the Lord. Worship means to submit. Worship means to obey. When you say, I'm coming to church or I'm going to worship, what you're saying is, I'm going to make a commitment to obey what God tells me to do. Worship's not about you. It's about him. Worship, oh, praise God. That's why people say, I don't like that song. Well, we weren't singing to you. We were singing to the Lord. This is about him. This is about us submitting to him. I like what Samuel said. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Praise, the sacrifice of praise. Praise can be a sacrifice. You know, you're praising God whether you feel like it or not. It's a sacrifice sometimes to praise the Lord. It's a sacrifice sometimes to thank him for things when things aren't going good. That's a sacrifice. Sacrifices are good. but it's But Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Worship is better than praise. Let's get to the point where we understand when I'm worshiping God, I'm submitting to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. I'm laying my life down, and I say, God, I'm here to obey your word. That's what worship is. Wow, can you imagine? If we really got that, would that change our church or not? I believe it would change the whole city. Wow. So number two. Lord, help me. I'm dragging here. Number two. I, I want you to get that Jairus has faith and the woman has faith, but they have two different kinds of faith. Okay? Two different kinds of faith. I, I call Jairus's faith waiting faith. Everyone say waiting faith. In other words, Watch this. Remember, this guy has a lot of authority. He can order people. So get this in your mind now. Just, just, just think, just put yourself in his shoes. And he, and he stops Jesus. He said, Jesus, my daughter is dying. She's not just sick. She's dying. And she could die real soon. Have you ever prayed a prayer where you said, God, I need you now? I, 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 they, I need this prayer answered today, this hour, right now. Anybody ever been there? I need God to move now. That's where he was at. Amen. amen. And this, this woman, I mean, she's had this condition for 12 years. His daughter is at the, at the point of death. She could die at any moment. And, and here he go. They're all going to his house. They're all going to his house. And all of a sudden, everybody stops. And Jesus says, who touched me? And there was, and even the disciples are rolling their eyes. Who touched you? There's three hundred people around you. I'm sure a hundred of them have touched you. What do you mean, who touched you? And I, and in the meantime, he's looking at his Rolex, like, come on, we got to get going here. My daughter, who cares about this woman? I excommunicated this woman. This woman's a sinner. This woman is at the bottom. He's at the top of the social ladder. She's at the bottom of the social ladder. He's saying, what? This woman doesn't matter. This woman doesn't. Amen. I don't know if anyone's ever treated you like that. But I think most of us understand what it feels like when people act like they're better than us. And this guy could have made a command. And he could have said, look. Jesus, forget about this woman. You can come back and heal her anytime. My daughter's dying. But nowhere in the Scriptures does it say that he objected. He waited. He waited for all this while Jesus is talking to her. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? He had waiting faith. But listen. Listen. You need to get this, and you're probably hearing this at home right now. It takes faith to stay home, too. If you're staying at home, they're hurting spiritually. Who knows what they're dealing with, what fears or anxieties or financial crunches or what they're dealing with at home. And listen, we're Pentecostals. We need each other. We believe in the assembling together. And it's hard when you're not. But listen, they're they're, they're staying at home, but they have a waiting faith. But listen, I've got a word that I need to send across the Internet right now. Uh, You're not with us right now, but Jesus is coming to your house. He's been delayed a little bit. There's been an interruption in your life, but Jesus is on his way to your house. So somebody get a hold of that. I said Jesus is on your way, on his way to your house house. Oh, praise God for that, Amen. Oh, I'm getting excited about that. They tell me to stay here so they don't have to move the camera constantly, but it is what it is. They'll be watching at home. but "Where'd he go?" I don't know. We're Pentecostal. Get over it. But listen, that's waiting faith. He patiently, I want to, oh, I've got a sermon on patience. You may not even like it. Oh, it's going to be great. It's coming up. I don't know when. Whenever, who knows. It's day to day, right? It's day to day. We just, never before have I looked forward to listening to the governor of Ohio. I don't know that I've ever heard him speak before, but I hear him every week now. Lord, help us. He has waiting faith. Listen, he's trusting Jesus even in the interruption. Wow. Jesus is coming to your house. Number three, let's look at the woman. Unlike Jairus, this woman is disconnected. This woman is disregarded. This this woman is name. She doesn't even have a name. They don't name her. How would you like to have this name? What's your name? I'm the woman with the issue of blood. Isn't it funny how the scriptures always named you by your problem? The leper, the blind guy, the harlot, the you know. Why why does because after the, you know they weren't that afterwards, but you know, that's what that's what it does. So. Um, oh that 's another whole message in it. The woman is dis listen listen she ha- it 's interesting this excommunication thing. There were different levels of social distancing back then, uh, and the lowest level was you had to keep six feet away from people isn't that, isn't that weird how it after two thousand years we're right back there. They had to keep six feet away, and if anybody got within your six feet, and and we're not going to do this, but if if someone got within six feet of you, it was your responsibility to say, unclean. Can you imagine if you had the flu, and every time someone got within six feet of you, you had to say, unclean. Stay six feet away from me. We might appreciate that. I don't know. Listen, this woman has been alone for 12 years. It doesn't say anything about her family, but you can't maintain a marriage like that. Doubtful she had any children or any intimacy if she was married. She was a social outcast. The the doctors had, the Bible said that the doctors had tried all kinds of prescriptions uh, to get her healed, but she got worse instead of better. Um, now, I researched this. Th- Does anyone want to know what those prescriptions were? These guys heard it twice, and they want to hear it again. You want to hear this? These are just some of them. Remember, this is going on for 12 years. She goes to the doctor, right? Doctor, I got this bleeding. and won't quit. Okay, here's what you do. You take tree gum, And it has to be from a certain tree in Alexandria from Egypt. And you mix that with crocus, the flower, right, crocus. You grind it all up. Alum, A-L-U-M. But what is alum? It's a root, okay. So you grind that up. You grind up that root. I bet it tastes great. Not so much. And here's the good part. You mix it all with wine, Every one of these has wine in it, I think. So you mix all that together. You grind it up. You dissolve it in wine, and you drink it down. I don't know how many times she did it, but guess what? It didn't work. Here's another one. You take three pints of Persian onions. I don't know why they have to be from Persia, but there it is. And um, you, you boil it. You boil it in wine, and you drink it. And as you drink it, the doctor will say over you, arise from thy flux. But it didn't work. You want another one? You dig seven ditches, (laughs) and you put vines in the ditches that are not four years old, and you burn them. I guess so there's a lot of smoke from the green, you know. So you got seven ditches, and you got smoke coming out of them, and you go to the ditch, and you kind of sit over the ditch, and you drink a glass of wine, <laughs> so you drink the wine while, and then you go from that ditch, and then you go to the second ditch, and you do it again, another glass of wine, and then you go to the, th- I think they just like the wine. I think that if you had enough wine, you weren't worried about the bleeding, you know what I'm saying? So you go to all seven ditches, and at the end of that you were supposed but here's the best one. I like this one the best. So you take the woman to a crossroads, where two roads come together, and you sit her, you, you make her stand at the crossroads, and you give her a glass of wine, and as she's drinking the wine, you sneak up behind her and yell, "Arise from thy flux!" and scare her. <gasps> she spills the wine. But well, this time she's drunk anyway. And when you yell, "Arise from thy flux," that scaring her dries up the blood. But it it didn't work. Okay, and I'm sure you wrote all those down, and you can use those the next time you're bleeding. Isn't that great? And not that great? Wow. So now you know she spent all her, she spent money on these. And she did not get better. In fact, she was getting worse. Number four, she had a different kind of faith. He had waiting faith. She had pushing faith pushing faith now, now notice the differences here Jairus is face to face with Jesus he comes at him face to face she's while he's coming up this way and the crowd is parting she's pushing her way from the back she's probably crawling remember she can't let anyone see her face either as if someone recognizes her she's done her situation will be worse then. She, listen, back then, if you, got, if you broke the six-foot rule, they could stone you to death. Now, I know they're putting some people in jail, but stoning? Wouldn't that be terrible? You get stoned if you break the six-foot rule. So it was serious. But she was determined to see Jesus. Listen, she's crawling People are stepping on her hands. People are hitting her in the ribs. People are uh, cussing at her, people are kicking at her. What are you? Get out of here, woman. What, what is this woman doing? But she keeps pushing through the crowd. Oh, you're not getting this. She keeps pushing. Jairus is coming this way. She's coming that way. She's coming from behind. Listen, there, there's, there's, these two people are so different. Listen, Jairus. Didn't need God until that moment. He had everything. He didn't need God. He had money for every need. He knew all the top people in town. He was connected. He was wealthy. He had political power. He had religious power. He had everything. He really didn't need God until that moment. But the woman's different. The woman didn't feel like she deserved God. Did you ever feel like, God, I I need you to do this, Lord, but I I don't feel like I deserve it. You know, if you're truthful, we never do. I don't know that we ever deserve what God gives us, do we? But yet we ask, and we come boldly, and we believe God because of his mercy. She did not believe she deserved God. He did not believe he needed God, but they both changed their ways. Here's, some, here's another difference. Jairus wanted the hand of God. He said, come lay your hand on my daughter. You know, you know, you know today we, we're not supposed to have altar calls. We're Pentecostal. We don't know how to act. I thought about getting a six-foot pole with a glove on the end of it. We'll lay hands on you. Instead of oil, we'll use Purell. And if you fall out in the spirit, we're going to throw a wheelchair behind you. We got it all covered. We got it all covered. We got <laughs> But there are advantages to us being socially distanced. Brother Dwayne told me the other day, he says, but you got a lot of shouting room. Plenty of room to run, shout, you won't bother anybody. Isn't that great? <laughs> but but I, I, I want you to get this. Jairus wanted the hand of God, but the woman wanted the word of God. What do I mean by that? She wanted to touch his prayer shawl that hung down. That's why it says the hem of the garment, but the garment is the prayer shawl. And what the, what the rabbis would do back then is they would have the, I think they're called the, the, the titzis, I think they're called, the, the strings that hang down, and they would tie Scripture to them. When she reached out for the hem of the garment, she was reaching for the Word, Today we can't lay a hand on you, but you can reach out for the Word. I've got a word for you. Can't lay my hand on you, but I have a word for you. If you'll just reach out and get a hold of the Word, that's all you really need today. Whatever your need, whatever your situation, whatever you brought in here today, I have a word for you. I had a word for the others. Jesus is going to your house, but let me give you a word that are here. Reach out for the Word of God. Reach out to the hem of the garment. There's not a crowd here, but there's a crowd. There's noise in our heads. There's a lot of noise in the head, and we feel unworthy, and we feel lonely, and we feel isolated. We've been through a. Lot, we got a lot of worry, a lot of problems to work through. Listen, work through, push through the crowd in your head, and reach out for the word and be made whole this morning. I oh, praise God for that. Amen. Praise Him for that. Hallelujah. But let me close with this. This this is the greatest part of this. Remember, Jairus is going, wanted Jesus to go home to heal his what? His daughter. They were already connected. They were already in relationship. We don't get the name of the woman, but I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else I preached today, get this. Wow. Jesus called her daughter. Daughter? She can't be daughter. She's excommunicated. I want you you to hear what, what I'm about to say. Because every step of the way as she approached Jesus, she was actually sinning. It was a sin for her to be in the crowd. It was a sin for her to move people's legs. It was a sin for her to touch the hem of the garment. You know what touches me about this story more than anything else? You can come to Jesus just like you are. You can even come in your sin. He didn't say, you're a sinner. Who touched me? That, that woman touched me. She's a sinner. She's excommunicated. She couldn't even go to church. Listen, you, even when you can't go to church, you can go to Jesus. Oh, that's another revelation right there. When you can't go to church, you can still go to Jesus. When other people are trying to shut you out, he will bring you in. She pushed through the crowd in her sinfulness, sinning every step of the way. Sin after sin after sin after sin. And she touched the word of God and was made whole. You talk about good news. I've got some good news. No matter how you feel or where you're at this morning, you can touch the hem of the garment. You may be bleeding, crawling, failing, falling, disconnected, anxious, depressed, whatever it is, lonely. But you can reach out for the Word. Ignore the crowd and the noise in your head and reach out.